0: And
1: welcome to the Reader's Quadrant, an Empyrean podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Samantha. We are doing a chapter by chapter reread and analysis of the Empyrean book series written by Rebecca Yaras. Today we will be discussing chapter five of Fourth Wing. We do swear and we are not spoiler free. You have been warned.
0: We will be discussing connections from this chapter to Iron Flame at the end of the episode. We didn't want to spoil Iron Flame for those who haven't had a chance to finish it, but we didn't want to totally ignore it either. However, starting in the new year, we will no longer be separating out the Iron Flame connections into a separate section. We will just be integrating our connections into our regular episodes, so just be warned and get reading. Also, uh, this will be our last chapter uh, review of the year. So on December 26th and January 2nd, we'll be uploading a couple short, fun episodes so that uh, Samantha and I can take a bit of a break over the holiday season. Yes. Okay, so, so. this is exciting. Battle brief. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Fourth Wing won the best romanticy book of 2023 in the Goodreads Reader's Choice Awards. It received almost 400,000
1: votes. Which is awesome. And also, I really like that romanticy is now an official category.
0: I do too. I also. <laughs> I also really like that, like, a lot of people like to shit on things that are popular. And things, especially things that are popular with women. And I like that women now are kind of punching back and being like, I don't care. I like what I like. I don't care if you like it. And we're just going to let popular things be popular. And I, I enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I mean, romantic novels in general usually get discounted as being Quote unquote, legitimate um, books. And so it's nice to see it being taken more seriously.
0: Yeah, and they're only, they only be considered that way because they're primarily read by women. Like if men Mm. were the primary readers of romance novels, they'd be considered the highest of high literature.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) But because men find it too feminine, it gets relegated to its own thing. But whatever. Four hundred thousand people voted for this on Goodreads alone. So good yes. for Rebecca Yaros. Good for Fourth Wing. I'm happy about that.
1: I kinda would be interested to see the gender breakdown of that now that <laughs> we've kind of talked about a little bit. Yeah, uh yeah.
0: I'd be really I mean, I curious. know we can't,
1: but it'd be interesting.
0: Um anyways, uh the second note that we have in our battle brief today is Barnes and Noble has a gift card with fourth bang graphics on them. Rebecca Yaros posted about this in her Instagram story and they look super cool. So if you have a book lover in your life, that could be a
1: great gift. Yes. And I'm, we're working on tracking down a visual of it so we could share it with you all. Cause since it's stories, it's gone now. Um, I'm (laughs) I'm hoping that wasn't just like a fever dream of mine. And I actually saw that. (laughs) We're working on it. I, uh, Rebecca, for those who don't know, there is a Facebook group um, called Rebecca Yarros's Fly Girls, which is an official Facebook group run by Rebecca herself and members of her team. So I have posted in there hoping that one of them will share a copy of a picture of it.
0: So we'll see. Yeah, it was pretty much just a gift card with like the fourth wing logo, like the logo that's on the front first book. Okay. So it was gold. It looked
1: nice. I mean, that would still be really cool. I would, I would not I'd want one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it would be one of those ones that you'd spend and then you'd want to keep <laughs> still afterwards, even though there would be nothing left on it.
1: Yeah. Do they let you do that? Oh, yeah. I, I have a bunch of zero dollar gift
0: cards usually sitting just around in a drawer somewhere at home. Oh, I didn't know they let you do that. Okay. That's cool. Maybe that's a Canadian thing. I hope not. <laughs> um, okay, so we have hit 1850, 1,850 listens on the podcast. Yay! So thanks to everyone for listening. We really appreciate you all. Please continue to listen and share with your friends who you think might like us. Uh, every listen we get puts a smile on our faces, so thank you so much.
1: It really does, honestly. Like, I think we said last time, half of our chat to each other is just (laughs) listener updates. (laughs) It's true.
0: (laughs) Like, we hit this number. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. I can't
1: wait to see us hit 2000. It's going to be amazing. We'll have to do something special. Yeah, we'll probably hit it over the holidays. Probably. And if so, Thank you, and we will celebrate with you in Discord, because we won't be recording. So, yep. <laughs> join Discord. <laughs> it's fun. This is true. Um, yes. So, we're going to move into the recap of last time. So, in the last chapter, Violet had her first experiences as a cadet. There was the reading of the death roll as we learned exactly how many people have died so far in this process, and Dane continued his campaign to get Violet to move to the Scribe Quadrant unsuccessfully. Also, side note, I said it correctly.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, no Scribe Quadrant for you.
1: No Scribe Quadrant. Although, scribe Quadrant. I
0: am t- so tempted from now on just to call it the Scribe Quadrant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it should be like ducks and like Daffy Duck or Donald Duck or something. (laughs) Anyway, um, Zayden has an encounter with Violet and Dane that ends with Violet running away.
0: Yes, and what is the most dramatic ending to a chapter that we've
1: had so so far? (laughs) Honestly, I feel like that's just Dane's M.O. is drama because he's the one who told her to run. (laughs) So... I mean, yeah, she was kind of leaning towards it anyway, but I feel like she would have been more likely to lean towards sass than running away. But that's just me. Our quote at chapter five at the beginning is, Knowing I am in direct disagreement with General Melgren's orders, I am officially objecting to the plan set forth in today's briefing. It is not this general's opinion that the children of the rebellion's leaders should be forced to witness their parents' executions. No child should watch their parent put to death. That is from The Tearish Rebellion, an official brief for King Tauri by General Lilith Sorengale.
0: Yes, this one is fascinating.
1: It really is. It puts, at this point, a new spin on how to look at Lillisorga, which, as we remember, is Violet's mother.
0: Oh, I was going to say, all these rebel kids hate Violet for what her mother did to their parents. And evidently, she didn't want to do it in the first place.
1: No. No. And I also find it interesting that it says the Rebellion's leaders... Like, how many leaders were there? Because it seems like if your parent was involved with the rebellion in any way, shape, or form, they were put to death in front of you and you were made a marked one. Yeah. So I find that to be a little odd. Um, but I wanted to kind of go into a little bit because we have a lot of new characters. But King Tauri, which... I'll be honest, I'm not sure if that's the current king or the previous king.
0: I think it's the current one.
1: Is he current? Yeah. Okay. So, Tauri or Tory, I've leaned towards Tauri, which I'll get into why. But that is an actual civilization from the Crimean Mountains. Oh. They are known for their warlike behavior and brutality, and they also engage in the practice of human sacrifice. The word can also be a reference to bowls like the mm-hmm. constellation and zodiac sign Taurus. Mm-hmm. And it is also a class of stars that are less than 10 million years old. The reason I pronounce it Towery is because this is also a word in this TV series Stargate SG1. It's a sci-fi series, I I'm a nerd. don't care. That is the word that is used for people from Earth and humans. So that's why I pronounce it Tauri. The only difference is there's an apostrophe between the U and the R, but it's the same word.
0: Hey, you know what? I haven't seen that series, and I also say Tauri, so.
1: Okay, good. So <laughs> it could go either way. Like I said, it could be Tauri, like Taurus. It could be Tauri. Either way, is T-A-U-R-I. I did not see anything for how a, a Gallic pronunciation, so I'm going to go with what I got. Mm-hmm. So, moving on into the chapter, we begin with the first battle brief that Violet attends, and we meet Professor De Vera, which I love her. Mm-hmm. De Vera is Spanish. It is a topographic name for someone from an area of fertile land between a river and an upland. So the day is the from, and then Vera refers to the land. You know,
0: just going off of a uh... Are descriptions of these names these last couple of weeks? Like Rebecca, yours has picked a lot that are descriptions of areas of land or like nature. Because mm-hmm. it's like Barlow was yeah, like side of the hill or something like that.
1: I think it was at the Barren Hill.
0: Yeah. And then I think Sawyer was something similar, like something to do with wood. I don't know. It's just
1: interesting. It was Woodcutter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also she chooses names from a variety of different nationalities Mm -hmm. when it comes to the humans. Like, the dragons are all pretty Gallic, However, with everyone else, it's, like, kind of all over the place.
0: Which makes sense, because say you're viewing Navarre kind of as, like, Europe, like a continent, right? Mm -hmm. And each of the provinces is kind of a country. So... Each region would have their own language and dialect, so it makes sense that they don't all sound the same because we know how important language is in this world.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, also, apparently Devera is the name of a character in Dragon Age. I have not played Dragon Age, but Mm -hmm. it came up. I think it was like an elf. Interesting. Um, So, if you play Dragon Age and know about that character, um, I honestly didn't click on the... Dragon Age wiki on it because I have not played that game and it probably wouldn't make sense to me. So <laughs> Captain Professor Devera um side so note the reason I say captain professor when I was in high school we had a substitute teacher who we learned was also a major in the military so we called him Major Mr. Munson because we didn't know if we should call him Major or Mr. and he said he didn't care. So that's how I'm going to do that with these professors. That's hilarious. So yeah, he, he was a great guy. Love him. Uh, his family actually has a stand at the farmer's market, but that's another thing. But just, Not one stands that you spend um, so, all your money at? No. So this was in the farmer's market in my hometown. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which that box was a Christmas present. Just saying. <laughs> just for my dad because he's hard to buy for. But he likes spicy things. So um, he's not listening. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Captain Professor DeVera is described as having short bright purple hair. And a matching bright purple flame section patch on her shoulder. She has deep brown skin. With eyebrows several shades darker. And carries a long sword on her back. And I also just kind of want to note. At this point. Like we're only in chapter 5. And there have been so many people of color in this book. Mm-hmm. And I feel. At least the books that I read. Like most characters are portrayed as being white. I don't know. Maybe that's just my mind's eye. Because I am white. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most characters are white. So it's kind of nice to see a lot of variety of in the character. Well,
0: I also think, too, because you and I are both white women, that when there is not a detailed description of a character, I think you automatically uh, picture someone looking similar to you. So it's nice to have yes. these, like, straight up descriptions being like, yes, this is a diverse world and mm-hmm. it's reflecting, like, the real world. I do have a question for you, though. And this yes. might be more about my ignorance of how the military works in a regular everyday
1: military setting. Are you allowed to have colored hair? Like pink, purple? I don't think so because I think they want, I think that's part of the difference between like here and the infantry. So I think in the infantry, it definitely would not be allowed because they want uniformity. And I think in real time life, military is a similar thing. They want uniformity. Whereas with the Dragon Riders, they're kind of more of a I don't care as long as you're wearing black. Hmm. Yeah,
0: I was just curious because I was like, I don't know anything about the actual military, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone in uniform with like an unnatural hair color.
1: Yeah. Also, I totally miss that she had purple hair like both times I've read this book.
0: Yeah, that's wild. Although I picture it more of like, does it say like bright purple? Because I pictured my mind as like a deep purple.
1: No, it's bright because it says, um, I literally just read it. It says that a bright purple flame section patch on her shoulder matching her short hair perfectly. Darn. I pictured like a royal purple. So they are both bright purple. (laughs) Okay. So um, Battle Brief is the second class of the day after history. And is the only class held in a giant rotunda at the end of the academic hall. Because it's one of two rooms, apparently, that can hold every single person in the writer's quadrant. So it's there because every single person has to attend, as Dane so thoughtfully told us in the last chapter. Um, Violet describes uh, Professor Devera as not the joking kind. Which I find to be a kind of funny contrast because she has bright purple hair.
0: I what what <laughs> professor would Dane describe as the joking kind?
1: No, Violet says that.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Scratch that. Violet's the one who says that she's not the joking. Uh, but kind. I feel
0: like I feel like because when she describes Professor Emeterio later in the chapter, I feel like Violet is just scared shitless of every single professor <laughs> in the Riders Quadrant.
1: I mean, that's fair, Um, but Devera, from what we see of her, she is pretty no-nonsense.
0: I feel like she would joke around if given the opportunity, and was in the right setting.
1: True. Um, But she is a good teacher because she knows how to lead the students to what she wants them to say. Yes. Um, so I appreciate that about her. Also, I kind of picture her as like a dark-skinned Madam Hooch oh from my the Harry God. Potter movies. Literally,
0: that's the exact same way that I'm picturing her except with purple hair.
1: Yes. And that's like the same voice I hear. Because like in the first Harry Potter movie when Madam Hooch says like, welcome to flight lessons or welcome to flight class or something like that. That's how I picture it when... Professor Devera opens by saying, welcome to your first battle brief. Like, that exact tone and voice. Interesting. That is what I hear. Interesting. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, just that. So, that's what I picture as Madame Devera, <laughs> or Professor Devera, or Madame. You know, why not? Um. So, she then set goes on to describe that the course will include where the wings are stationed, the politics of their enemies, strategies, and history of current and recent battles, in the event that, especially for the third years, that they get sent out early. Rihanna then gets concerned about this class, because it feels like a lot to her, and being sent out early. However, Violet makes sure to tell her that only third years get sent out, and even then, it's only to Midland Posts, so like interior um, posts. And then she notes that she learned that from her mother, which I thought was kind of nice. And honestly, the fact that she's pointing this out to us now should
0: be some foreshadowing that that is not going to be the case this year.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's how this section ends, honestly. Yeah. That's what Violet's saying. She doesn't think that that she thinks that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Professor Devera then introduces Professor Markham from the Scribe Quadrant, who will be teaching this course with her. Uh, So the name Markham is both an English and an Irish name with pretty much the same meaning, which is the boundary of a homestead. So like Mark Ham, so like Hamlet, so Markham. Uh, Professor, Colonel Professor Markham, he's a colonel, is described as being older with a bulbous nose and thick eyebrows. So it doesn't specifically say he's older, but Violet um, notes that he she was going to be his star pupil before he retired Before, because she was supposed to be going to the scribe quadrant mm. so I'm kind of inferring that that means he's older
0: yeah I would agree I would also like to point out that Markham is a city in the Canadian province of Ontario oh is it? yep have you been there? no <laughs> Canada's a big place <laughs> I know it is <laughs> it's a very big place <laughs>
1: You can almost see Russia from your doorstep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah! Actually, I can I can see Vladimir. He's actually waving to me in my backyard right now. Is he really? <laughs> he, and he's Is riding. Is
1: he on horseback? He's
0: riding a huge horse. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> I think he's painted the flag of Russia across his face like he's at a sports game. Oh, Oh, like William Wallace? Oh, This is also super weird. He's setting up a hockey rink in the back and he's saying that it's Canada versus Russia. And uh, I need to get my skates on now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Please leave that in. (laughs) All right. So. Professor Markham, (laughs) he decides to give his little intro about himself and the scribes, and he says that it is the duty of the scribes not only to study and master the past, but to relay and record the present, and emphasizes the need for accuracy and reliable, complete information. LOL. Which is hilarious in hindsight. LOL. Like, uh, I think you forgot a bit there, bud. You know, like uh, the the venom. you know, the people with the red eyes and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a little bit. So we then move into the course, and Professor Devera um, tells everyone else to let the first years go first, because she wants to kind of hear what they have to say and kind of focus on them a little bit, and she informs everybody that there was a battle with the eastern wing with some bravey that's how I'm going to pronounce it bravey griffins and riders in a village called Chakir or Shakir which wouldn't they be flyers and not riders but she calls them riders so I'm going to call that I don't know
0: that they care enough to sit to know the difference at this point
1: fair because we do learn I think it's at the end of this book um that they are called flyers Mm -hmm. and not writers and Violet was surprised to learn that it also could just be a bit of I don't want to say arrogance but just maybe like that kind of assumptions because since they call themselves writers then they must call themselves writers because why would they be different yeah it's like
0: um this, thing, like, you know, what they call American exceptionalism? Yes. Like that, except rider yeah, exceptionalism. Exactly like
1: that, which I'm sad that you were the one who thought of that and not me. <laughs> just want to point that out. <laughs> Thank you, Canada. Yep. Anyway, looking at the map, uh, I'm going to say Chalk here it is right on the border with Bravik and, or Bravik. And in the middle of the Esben Mountains. So, the meaning of the word Shakir is, it's of Arabic origin. And it means grateful, thankful, and the chosen one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I just thought it was, you know, just look up the name of the village. Because I think this is the only time we really hear about this village. Whereas the mountains, I think we hear about again. So... I did not look up. I
0: think we've already Aspen. heard about the Aspen Mountains. I think that might I have feel been like we did. in her little monologue to herself when she was crossing the parapet.
1: Yeah, I think so. So I did not go into them. I just figured I'd go into Shakir. Yeah, fair. Or Shakir. Violet starts to take notes and she mentions that once she's able to channel, she'll essentially be able to use a ballpoint pen. Instead of ink and quill. And smiles about the potential benefits of being a writer. Honestly.
0: Which is nice. Honestly, they're already ahead of Harry Potter at that point. I know, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's how I kind of, like, thought of it when she's talking about the kind of pen that she'll be able to use.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, wh- why aren't they using a uh, ballpoint pen at Hogwarts? It really doesn't make the sense. The questions like, that I have.
1: If they can use a camera, why can't they use... Ink like in a ballpoint pen. Yeah, I, like it's it not technology. Not sense. I don't. It really isn't. I don't know. It's just putting ink in a tube.
0: Which is essentially it's what they're doing, just, but they're just doing it manually yeah. with the quill. Uh, anyways.
1: I don't know. Maybe because maybe the quills are just easier to spell because like they have those anti cheating quills.
0: Honestly, I think they're just pretentious. And don't like changing.
1: Not that we don't have that in real time life. And that's why we all have grass lawns, which date back to like the 1700s. Yeah. No joke. Look it up. <laughs> so <laughs> Professor DeVera says that the wards near Shakir failed and that the Griffins and their riders slash flyers were able to channel and wield. Violet then gives us some exposition on how griffins can also channel like dragons, but only dragons can power wards, meaning that only dragons can channel inside the wards. Mm. And then Violet shows her unreliability as a narrator because she says that the raiding parties from Peromiel would descend on them without the wars and that, quote, those greedy assholes are never content with the resources they have. She, she knows what she knows. It's true. She knows what she's been told. Yeah. But, I mean, you especially with almost every first person book, you always have to keep an eye out for the unreliable narrator. And frankly, even third person books. Yes, because if it's from a particular person's point of view, you have to be on the lookout for that.
0: And we constantly need to remember that these aren't even necessarily Violet's own words that she's saying. This has been transcribed.
1: Yeah. And translated. Yep. So you always lose things in translation too. Always. Violet notices that the altitude that Shakir is at and um, that Griffins would struggle there since they can't handle higher altitudes like dragons can because they are part lion and part eagle. Mm. Um, Which honestly I have seen in a video game and they're kind of they look fearsome. Yeah, If you've ever seen a, a depiction of a griffin, they are fearsome looking. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is, in that video game, that particular griffin was named FUBAR, which if you know what that acronym stands for, is really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> it's been many jokes about poor FUBAR being named the way he is. <laughs> um, So... My question for you is, since we know that it was probably actually a venom attack, do you think it's likely that it was actually Wyverns?
0: Um, I guess because there's no indication that they were looking for, like, weapons or anything at this place this time, was there? They said they were looking for
1: something, but we don't know what.
0: So it's possible that it was the Flyers and they were looking for the weapons, but I think it's more likely that it was venom
1: i was thinking maybe the wyverns just because of the altitude like i don't see them i don't see the gri- the flyers and the griffins looking for weapons at higher altitudes knowing that the griffins would struggle and that they most likely would not be able to wield
0: yeah what would be the point
1: So, I mean, I think we're both... That's why I I thought maybe it was the Wyverns taking the Venet up there. Mm -hmm. Because it's a very high elevation within the mountains. So, that would be even harder to walk. Um, And then Violet says a sentence that, honestly, I found confusing. So, maybe you have a different view on it. She says, There's a reason we've been able to fend off every major assault on our territory for the last 600 years... And we've successfully defended our land in this never-ending 400-year-long war. Wouldn't that be the same thing? Like, why is there a difference of 200 years? Um, Does that mean they lost, like, some minor skirmishes in those 200 years? No, okay, I just... wait
0: a second. Doesn't that have to do with, okay, the rebellion? Like, different rebellions, like, to unite the provinces or whatever? Wasn't that an X amount of years ago?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I just... Because she says every major assault on our territory for the last 600 years.
0: Interesting.
1: And then defended the land for the last 400 years.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, like we, it just Honestly, I feel like we may be missing something obvious here. Listeners, if you know the answer to this, let us know. <laughs>
1: please. Yeah, please do. Because <laughs> I just... I can't reconcile that in my brain. Like, it seems like it should be a simple sentence, but I don't understand it.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm i sure there is an explanation.
1: A cadet asks if this is the first time that the wards have faltered, and Devera and Markham answer her, no, which makes the whole room go quiet. And then the cadet asks how often, and they refuse to answer her question. Which I'm like, then why did you tease them by telling them it's not the first time? Yeah, and I know this is probably
0: also true in like real-time life military where you only get to know what you get to know. But it's just frustrating.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get that. But it's just, the why answer that it's not the first time? Why let them ask questions? Why not just tell them what you want them to know? That too. I guess I, I mean, guess I allowing guess
0: them to ask questions gives them some semblance that they are allowed to know things.
1: Yeah, and I think it's to help them practice their creative, thinking. critical thinking. Yeah, that's fair. Which we lack in real-time life, too. So, I get it. <laughs> um, we also find out that a dragon was injured and a rider died.
0: You know, I don't think I remembered that when I read this again. I was like, oh, shit.
1: So then we meet a whole bunch of people really quickly. So (laughs) uh, we're going to and honestly, their whole it's basically a bunch of people kind of arguing with each other. So you can look into that if you want. But it's the argument is pointless. It's like a few paragraphs. It's not important. We do meet Pryor, who is an indecisive man with black hair. He is in Violet Squad, and she describes him as the meekest. Ironically, his name is Latin for monastic leader, Oh. which also comes from another Latin word meaning superior. Hmm. Funny. Prior, unfortunately, is going to get killed by a dragon during presentation because of his indecisiveness. I was going
0: to say, I do not remember this guy at all.
1: Yeah, um... The next person I'm going to introduce, she talks about how he held up the breakfast line because he couldn't decide between sausage and bacon. I feel that. Which... I feel that. No. The, ov- the obvious answer is bacon. The obvious answer is both. I mean, fair. He could do that. <laughs> <but> <laughs> if you have to pick one, bacon. Clearly. Yeah. Then we meet another person in Violet squad named Luca. Who makes fun of Briar and she's the one who talks about him with the breakfast line she is described as being catty by Violet Um, Luca has long brown hair and wears black eyeliner it says coal rimmed eyes Mm. that's black eyeliner Mm -hmm. Um, her name is Italian meaning bringer of light and I did not know this part is actually a gender neutral name
0: I didn't know that either because I have only ever known characters of, named Luca to be men.
1: Yeah, and like um, I watched MasterChef and like they had an Italian on there whose name was Luca and he was a man. Mm-hmm. Um, it is this spelling here with L-U-C-A is the masculine spelling though. Uh, the feminist spelling was L-U-C-C-A, which I'm not super familiar with Italian, but I wonder if that would make it Lucha? Honestly,
0: there's nothing worse than learning languages where genders are applied to, like, arbitrary things. Like, you learn French, and you're like, okay, is this table a boy or a girl? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It
1: feels like a girl. Well, so like... I
0: don't know why.
1: <laughs> well, also, is French. And you're probably more familiar than I am just by being in Canada. But, like, the difference between, like, Jean and Jeune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh boy. <laughs> what if you have a cold? You're gonna say the wrong name. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's just gen- um, the genders of like inanimate objects just kills me.
1: Yeah, I mean that's all the Latin yeah languages. All the romantic it's languages like French, Spanish, Italian. Portuguese, Italian. Yep. I feel like there's another one that I'm forgetting like all of the quote-unquote romantic languages because they come from Rome they all have that yeah Um, it's also just funny
0: how you say Luca L-U-C-A is masculine and then L-U-C-C-A is feminine and I'm like mm -hmm. I'm sitting here and I'm like oh yeah that makes sense the extra C doesn't make it more feminine
1: like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of like what I was saying before with the Jean and Jean in French it's just an extra N-E at the end yeah yeah I don't know. Language is weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Luca is a very self-confident person, but not in a good way. Um, but Violet is a little jealous of her confidence. Um, Luca is also going to die during presentation because of her basically being a bitch. And I don't think Violet was sad about it.
0: It's interesting. These two people die for like
1: the opposite reason. And at the same time. Yeah. Both in presentation. So, then we're going to meet another character. This one we have a, a little bit more time with, in a way. Um, Luca and Pryor, we don't really hear much of outside of, like, here and presentation. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think. Orly, who is the next person we meet, we do get a little bit more out of. So, Orly has brown hair and black eyes. And she is built like Mira meaning that she is muscular and athletic. Aurelie's name is Latin, and it means golden. Uh, similar to like the name Aurelia, which if you've oh, ever watched yeah. Love Actually, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Uh, me too. It's, it's I watch it every year. Same. I know it's problematic, but I love it so. It <laughs>
0: is problematic. I'm not sitting here pretending like it's not, but I don't know. It no. gives me the
1: warm and fuzzy feelings. It really does, especially you gotta watch the whole version. Mm. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. like with um, oh god, what's his name? He's so famous now, and I can't think of his name. Um, he's in Sherlock. Oh, he was Martin in, Freeman. Yes, Martin Freeman. Like his storyline, it's so cute. It's like the most wholesome of all the storylines, honestly. And it always gets cut because they're porn stand-ins or sex scene stand-ins. <laughs> So wholesome. But they have the most wholesome thing. I love, I know this is a side tangent, but I love like when he's like pretend thrusting on her and they're just like talking about the weather and he's like so awkward trying to ask her out. <laughs> or he's or, sort of, like naked on top of her. Or they're talking about the traffic. I know. It's so great. Oh. I love them so much. Oh, shit. Okay, back to horrible death. Um,. Unfortunately, Orly is uh, going to die during the gauntlet, and Violet feels terrible about it because she was the last person to see Orly before she fell. And we haven't gotten to it yet, but I remember Violet says that she sees the look of fear and terror in Orly's eyes as she's falling. Because it's not even it's during really like
0: it's during one of the practice runs, right? That she dies. It's not even during like the actual final. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it was.
0: She misses the rope, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. And then Violet went and burned her stuff for her because her family didn't come to pick her up. (sighs) Brutal. It was so sad. That was like one of the more gut-wrenching deaths. Like, I know we didn't know Orly that well, but just like the way it happened, it was just, it was really sad. After the bickering is done between those three... Um, Violet tells Rhiannon to ask what the altitude of the village is because she wants to keep a low profile per Dane's advice Violet, Rhiannon does and then comes up with a good response honestly for the follow up question that Devera asks her because Violet can't help her with that one and but unfortunately Professor Devera knows what's up because she's smart and calls Violet out using her last name so now everyone knows who she is <laughs> It's like all eyes go like bing Like like it'd be like you know in a uh, Cartoon where like the dots You know come from everybody's eyes To like that point that they're looking at mm-hmm. Like all the all eyes on Violet mm-hmm. And she wants to crawl under the table And then so Violet then Through kind of Professor DeVera's prompting Figures out that the squad of riders Was already on its way Because both the writers and the Attackers knew that the Wards were about to fail While she's following this line of thought, though, the rest of the class is literally laughing at her. (laughs) And Jack decides to butt in, mocking her. Which then makes Violet even more want to crawl under the table. I think she literally says that. But everyone shuts up when Professor DeVera says that Violet is right. Professor DeVera then opens the floor to everyone else now. And Violet tries to absorb everything using her scribe training. Then she hears Zayden ask a question, which causes the hairs on the back of her neck to rise. She always has a physical, visceral reaction to him. Mm -hmm. Like, she can't even see him. She just hears his voice, but she still is just like, "Oh, Yeah, I just imagine he has, like, such a deep voice. I think he does, too. I think that's described as being a deep voice somewhere. I don't remember if we... And yeah, it is, because she says a deep voice asked from the back of the lecture hall. So he does have a deep voice. Um, Zayden correctly deduces that the attackers were looking for something, and Professor Devera reveals that they don't know what they were looking for. She says that maybe we'll get another clue in another attack, and to look at the history if you want answers, but Battle Brief is for fluid solutions in the now to keep them alive. Violet then muses that it may be more than just third years called into duty this year.
0: And she's not wrong. Okay, so now that we're done with Battle Brief, everyone is super impressed that Violet knew all the answers in history and in Battle Brief. This really just goes to show her squib upbringing. She <laughs> learned everything that her father wanted her to know. So, And she also tells the rest of the squad, like, squad (laughs) squad like she offers up that yeah i was in training to become a scribe like i think i said this before but like that is something that i would be keeping a little closer to the vest like she has no issue telling Mm -hmm. people that she is like not at all prepared to be here
1: yeah especially given her fear of being seen as weak yeah so they're in the sparring
0: ring arena thing if you will And Violet notes that most of the men in the sparring area are shirtless to prevent the opponent to prevent giving their opponent something to grab onto, but Violet doesn't mind. And neither does Kelsey. No, I I would be fully
1: on board with that. (laughs) Yep. I would be down. I will note. It says the women are dressed similarly now. They all, like, have the same kind of shirt. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's, like, a tank top? Or do you think it's, like, a short sleeve shirt? I
0: think they were given... I think a tank top. I, I, no, here's the thing. I think they were given a short sleeve shirt, and then people, like, cut off the sleeves and, like, made it into, like, mm. tank top. Like, I think they were issued... Like, you know when you see the Army people and, like, their standard, like, green T-shirts? Yeah. I picture something like that, but people, like,
1: customized it. hmm And
0: it's black, obviously.
1: Um, I guess I used to watch that show of Stargate SG-1, which is actually based in the Air Force. And I know it's a fictional show, but they did consult a lot with the actual Air Force. And um, they wore black T-shirts, and they were really cute and cool, and I want one.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's what I think it is. I think people just, like, cut off the sleeves and did whatever they wanted because they've been customizing the rest of their uniforms, too. Mm-hmm. So... Three squads from each wing are sparring today, which seems like a lot. That means there's 12 squads in here.
1: Yeah, that's true. And that's, so that's going to be what, like 50 people? 12. Because there's. It
0: would have to be closer to 60. Five times 12 is 60. And there's more than five people in each squad, isn't there? Yeah. And then you have squad leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, guess a lot of people. So it must be a fairly large room is what I'm trying to get at here.
1: Maybe that's the other large room besides the um, Battle Brief room.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Jack Barlow, our f- our good friend, is oh. eye- eyeing Violet up. Um, so Violet notes that by her age, Mira had 12 years of training under her belt, which is insane to me because Violet is only 20. So that means that Mira started training, like, combat training when she was 8.
1: Wait, what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> She notes that by her age, Mira had 12 years of training under her belt. Violet is only 20. If Mira was 20 with 12 years of training,
1: yeah, she started
0: when she was eight. Jesus. <laughs> That's hardcore. Yeah. So I, you have to wonder, like, why was Papa Soaring so willing to have his children do that at such a young age? If he was so gung-ho about the scribes.
1: We don't know how gung-ho he was, though. We just know he was gung-ho about it with Violet because she was perceived to be weaker than her two siblings. Okay. Fair assessment. And as, you know, we hear, all Soren are writers. Mm-hmm. Um, Except apparently Papa Sorengale. Yeah. So. <laughs> Whatever that's about.
0: Basically what's going on is everybody's beating the shit out of each other on the mats right now um fun but they're not allowed to use blades yet they're just assessing i'm assuming they're assessing for the matchups they're gonna put people into later on like they're assessing people's abilities
1: yeah and also to see like who needs to work on what yeah
0: but i mean i don't ever see professor emitterio or like I don't ever see him, like, actually instructing them on how to get better. Like, Violet takes it upon herself to train and get better. Like, as far as I can Fair. tell, these sparring matches are just that just that matches, like, where you actually have to fight and not a time to learn. Anyways, uh, we also learn here, interesting tidbit, that uh, everyone is viewed equally by the enemy. So they say um, the enemy won't pull punches if it's a woman who steps off a dragon. So it's good to know that the enemies aren't sexist. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> They're progressive, these blood, bloodthirsty killers. Here we go. <laughs> so Orly is kicking the crap out of Riddick. Um, so we know that people actually really take this seriously because they are in the same squad. Um, and they are not pulling punches. So while this is going on, uh, Sawyer and Rhiannon agree to help Violet with her hand-to-hand combat. Because if you'll remember, Sawyer is a repeat. So he's already done this. And Rhiannon, we already know, is like badass. And then Violet mm-hmm. agrees to help them with history and the battle brief. And I think this just goes to show once again how close this squad is. Like They are already actually friends. And I think we talked last time about how we don't think this is a typical. It's definitely not Mira's experience.
1: No. But I also wanted to, Mira didn't probably need as much help from others as Violet does.
0: Oh yeah, this is true. Um. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Jack Barlow, over in the corner, <laughs> literally fucking God. snaps another first year's neck. This marks the second person that he has killed that we've seen. Wild.
1: Um, yeah. And his excuse is like, how, is I, how was I supposed to know his neck was that weak? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, like, fair. <laughs> I like that, Professor. What did I say? Like, It just sounds like a parrot yelling at a toddler. What did I
0: tell you? No killing.
1: <laughs> That's I... kind of what he's saying.
0: Anyways. Um, Rhiannon is also certified BA. She makes quick work of her opponent, and he yields. That just shows her skill on the mat. Like, she is so good. She says that she had to learn this kind of stuff growing up because she lives in a border town, which makes sense. Like, mm. obviously, her parents wanted her to be able to defend herself.
1: Um, So, finally. I like how Violet yeah. also, like, has problems remembering his name and how she kind of, like, thinks out, like, is it Trevor Thomas? Mm. No, wait, it's Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> I just find that kind of funny. Something with a T. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so finally, it's Violet's turn to fight. And her opponent is Imogen. And this shows that you also don't have to fight within your year. Because she's fighting a second year. Imogen's in second year. Oh, yeah. Um, Violet is immediately nervous because Imogen has a rebellion relic. And as we know, most of these kids hate her because of who her mother is. Um, and then Violet makes a little dig about her mom protecting the country from enemies without end within saying that, oh yeah, all you rebels are enemies of the, the country, which is just, it's a little bit like starky from Violet, but once again, she only knows what she knows.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and she's also using it a strategy.
0: Yeah, trying to get into her head. Okay, so this is this is a, one of the big questions that comes up about Fourth Wing all the time. When they're fighting, and nothing weird has happened yet. They're basically just fighting. Dane yells out, you can't use your powers in here, Imogen. And we know that Imogen's signet is the ability to wipe recent memories. So what is he talking about here?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure.
0: And this is like a big question on the internet, too.
1: I'm wondering if maybe it's... Some sort of lesser magic. Yeah, but like, what? Maybe something for, like, an extra hard kick is... He doesn't say that until after Imogen tries to kick her. So she kicks on her other foot, which lands square in my chest, sending me backward. Yep. And then... But that didn't seem... Oh, and then she said she's already above me so damn fast. Like, maybe some sort of, like, speed. Like, do you
0: think she has more powers than we know about? Because I don't remember speed being part of, like, the smaller magics that they can use.
1: I always thought it was because of the speed, honestly. Because Violet emphasizes how fast she is there.
0: Yeah, but it's, like, nobody else gets super fast. So is that specific to Imogen? Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, that's an interesting line. Um, Then Imogen straight up tries to murder Violet by putting Mm -hmm. a dagger into her side, but Mira's armor protected her. Um, So Violet punches Imogen in her face after she pauses because she's surprised that the armor, like, existed. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Imogen knocks Violet face first into the mat and pulls her arm behind her and tells her to yield, but Violet, being Violet, refuses. And Materio actually yields for her, but Imogen, you know, snaps her bone anyways. Even after the teacher calls the match, so Imogen's a little, she's a little crazy. She don't fuck around. No. And that's all I had for this chapter. My part was much shorter than Samantha's because they were, just yeah. kick, they were just kicking. Each I had a other. lot.
1: The whole thing, like at the end there. Um, did you ever watch Glow on Netflix? Do you remember when? Um she breaks um i can't remember the characters names now but when she breaks allison breeze foot it reminds me a lot of this yeah it's hardcore so was it debbie and ruth like because she was supposed to stop and then she went going went on anyway and broke her foot and that reminds me a lot of this it's like a similar thing yeah um so we are going
0: to move on here for the assembly meeting which is something that we do where our followers can pose us questions that they would like us to answer um, about the chapter that we are discussing. And that usually happens in our discord. So if you haven't joined our discord, please do. It's a fun place to be. Um, Well, there's a link up to it it, in our Spotify and in our Instagram bio. Uh, If you have any questions, just let us know. This week we do have something to discuss from the assembly meeting, but it relates to Iron Flame, so we'll be chatting about that a little later on. But for right now, we're going to move into what Samantha and I have been up to for the last week. So for myself, uh, I have been watching a lot of figure skating. The Grand Prix finals were on last week, so I watched that. I love me some figure skating.
1: It's pretty awesome.
0: Um, and then as far as reading goes, Gold, the latest in the latest book in the Plated Prisoner series by Raven Kennedy just came out. So I have just started that. This is book mm. number five. So I'm excited to get into that. And then unfortunately, my little doggie, Gilbert, he's a he's <laughs> a cone boy right now. He's in the cone, cone of shame. shame. <laughs> he, he's having some He's having some eye problems, so I've just been taking care of him. What have you been up to?
1: So I'm caught up on the Holiday Baking Championship, finally. Yeah, so it's still ongoing, but now I'm caught up to where the new episodes are. Um, so I decided to start watching The West Wing again. <gasps> Such a good choice. It's a really good show. It just sucks I'm starting in season one, so I have to deal with Mandy. I hate Mandy. She's the worst. I'm so glad they wrote her out like quietly. However, I did get to see Josh's, one of his favorite lines from me is when he says, I drink from the keg of glory, Donna. <laughs> Bring me the finest <laughs> muffins and bagels in all the land. <laughs> Jeez. It's pretty great. Um, and then for reading, I am still working on Promised Land. <laughs> Will you ever make it to the
0: Promised Land?
1: Yes. Well, part of the problem is so my library has a bunch of different apps that they use. Like they use Libby, they use Hoopla, and then they also were using one called Axis 360, which is the one that they had a Promised Land on for the ebook. So apparently that app was bought by Baker and Taylor. Which if you don't know who they are. They are a very large publishing company. Okay. And uh, so they migrated everything to their app. Which is called Boundless. Boundless in my experience is a piece of shit. It, And I'm not the only one apparently. Because I tried looking up solutions. It has terrible ratings and reviews. It You get like a spinning wheel of death. It won't download books. So like I wasn't able to use it like half the time. To actually try to read my book. So. It's been frustrating. But I finally was able to get it. To let me download my book. Which I don't usually like to do. Especially that size. On my phone. But I kind of. I have to with this one. Because that app is mm. shitty. So now I'm actually able to make progress. Which yay. So I'm up to like 36%. Which Frankly, for that book, is quite a ways. So <laughs> it's like a 700,
0: 800 yeah, page a, book. Like
1: it's, it's huge, a hefty,
0: and like nonfiction. That's
1: yeah. So it's very time consuming. Once I get like into it, like I can get into it. Like it's I really do enjoy reading it. I've learned some stuff. Like I didn't know that the filibuster exists basically because of Aaron Burr. Sir, sir. Which, side of Obama, has a funny quip where he says that it was part of Aaron Burr's history of not thinking things through fully, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I'm making progress on that. And then outside of that, we had a fundraiser for our cat cafe this past Sunday night, and it went pretty well, actually. Uh, we're having another one on Thursday night. Um, so we're working on that because we need money to do things with it. And we don't have income into it right now because things are still getting set up. And then to that end, I actually have got a new job. Um, I will be working for our state department of revenue as an administrative assistant in the legal division, because somehow I keep getting jobs in the fucking legal world.
0: <laughs> Woohoo! Nine to five. I don't know
1: how. Like, it's not a bad thing to work in legal. I'm just like, I'm not a lawyer. Why the hell do I keep ending up in legal jobs? I'm not <laughs> even a paralegal. I'm nothing with that. I have zero legal education at all. You're living that suits life. You're Donna. I am Donna. Wait, is that a person in suits? Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking for the West Wing. I'm
0: talking about
1: suits. I've never watched suits, so I don't know that, Donna. <laughs> I thought you meant West Wing, Donna. No. <laughs> is that a good thing? Is that Meghan Markle? Is
0: that a good thing? It's not Meghan Markle. It's the redhead.
1: I That, that tells me nothing. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> it is a good thing. Donna's awesome.
1: Okay, good. As long as it's Donna a good knows everything. Thing. Okay, good. But yeah, I don't know when I start yet. Um, I had to do a couple of background checks first, both of which I'm sure I'm expecting to hear by the end of this week of my actual start date. None of you actually know this, but Samantha's actually a
0: serial killer on the run. So I doubt that she'll pass those. Yeah, well,
1: I'm going to be coming to see you soon then. (laughs) Can't get me there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Oh, wait, does Canada extradite? Never mind. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure we have an extradition. <laughs> Damn. Uh, anyways, we will be discussing Iron Flame Connections shortly, but first, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you're listening to us. You can find our Instagram at Readers Quadrant Podcast, and you can email us at readersquadpod at gmail.com. Be sure to join our Discord, like we discussed earlier. A link will be in posted on our Instagram.
1: Warning! 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 We will now be discussing any connections from this chapter to Iron Flame. If you have not yet read Iron Flame, this is your last chance to stop listening. And come back next week. And this will be the last time we do this warning. So, um, as mentioned before, we did have a comment in Discord. Uh, but it was more related to Iron Flame, so we decided to put it at the end here Um, it is from emily isabel and she says the quote at the beginning oof i don't love mama Sorengale, but to disagree with this plan and then end up dying in front of your child is unfortunate and she's not wrong she she's not wrong i will say
0: i'm i i do like mama soaringale and she really did she did disagree with the plan but in the end she did do it like yep let's not let's not forget that like she disagreed but she still did it in the end she's not
1: yeah entire
0: like she's not innocent in this i know she was just following orders um but it it is um a little ironic that it is she died in front of her
1: child ooh, ooh, were all three of them there or was it just violet uh miro was she there I feel like Mira at least was there, but I don't remember uh, now. I, I, I need, need to, to reread, re-read it. Iron Flame. <laughs> I do too. I, it's such a blur. I know. Like we know just enough to do this. <laughs> I feel like sometimes. I don't I don't think Brennan was there. No, I don't think so. Okay. So uh from my half we have it's mentioned that only dragons can power the wards which we get really into in Iron Flame. I just find it funny that they know that the dragons can power the wards but somehow they forgot everything else. I this makes no sense to me. I don't it's I don't know if it's a plot <laughs> hole but she literally says here that the dragons power the wards and then like it feel like in Iron Flame they're just like how do we do these wards? I don't know. It's just
0: so, and I think we've talked about this before, like it makes no sense to me how the wards have been failing, but nobody's been doing research to see what they can do to fix it.
1: Yeah. They're just so wrapped up in hiding everything and just sweeping under the rug that they Mm -hmm. don't want to look how to fix it. And then the rug just gets, the pile under the rug gets too big and then they're, they're just fucked, which is kind of where we're at now. Yeah, it's messed up. And then with regard to the battle with the Eastern Wing, um, do you think the Flyers, assuming they were actually there, showed up to fight the venom and then got used to the scapegoat? What does the rest of the wing say happened? Because one of them died, if they're even allowed to talk about it. We
0: we know that people exist
1: in in
0: the riders. Well, not just Quadrant, but in that section of the army as well, that have signets that can wipe memories. So I wouldn't be surprised if these people are being used in some way like that. Mm. Like we know of Imogen Mm -hmm. and then other people have to have similar signets. I would not at all be surprised if someone high up had had something like that, Um, but I think they probably are being used as scapegoats.
1: Okay. Uh, I have two more. (laughs) Um, Violet says she can feel someone staring at the back of her neck from seven Mm -hmm. rows behind her. Mm -hmm. And I I couldn't figure out if that was Dane. Like she just like kind of could feel him looking at her somehow. Or if it was Zayden using his signet again.
0: That's him using
1: his signet. Okay. Because she talks about Dane like right there as well. So that's why I wasn't sure. Like the way she phrased it.
0: I'm 99% sure that's Zayden. And I'm pretty sure that I know that because Rebecca Yaros mentioned this moment specifically in her interview with uh, okay, with um, Variety.
1: Got it. And then my last thing was, it's kind of more, um, hopefully, our communal memory. <laughs> we know that the Venon were probably looking for whatever it was they were looking for in Resin at the end of this book. Did we ever find out what that was? I don't remember if we said what it was in Iron Flame.
0: I honestly don't remember.
1: Because like, I kind of reread that last chapter in Fourth Wing a little bit and they mentioned a box with runes on it or something. Because one of the dragons was sensitive and that they were looking into it. But I honestly don't remember if they figured it out.
0: <laughs> no, I I couldn't tell you
1: okay holiday goal reread iron flame i know right <laughs> uh, i'm sorry we we sped read right through that book just to get initial reactions and we have not had time to go back to it so. no
0: and i've reread like bits and pieces of it just for this but i haven't had time to reread the entire
1: thing yeah i need to mm-hmm. the parts that stick out to me have no relevance to this whatsoever like so. the throne room, the throne scene? No, actually, I was going to say uh, the torture scene.
0: <laughs> oh, we went two different directions. Very different directions.
1: <laughs> Anyways. So that's all I had. What did you have? Um, okay, so
0: we see Jack kill his second Cadet. Here, do we think at this point Jack has started to become venom, or is this just his regular, like bloodthirsty tendencies shining through?
1: I think this is just him. I would agree. I mean, he had no problems throwing a guy off the parapet as quote a sack of potatoes. During Violet's
0: fight, she thinks about how her mom says, The minute you let emotion enter a fight you've already lost. This <laughs> just makes me think of her fight with Cat and Iron Flame. That was just like completely fueled by
1: oh yeah that's <laughs> true <laughs> and she did, she did kind of lose that <laughs> oh yeah 100% <laughs> also um, I just love picturing Zayden like when he picks her up to carry her away, and she's like kicking and screaming it just reminds me of like picking up a toddler and they're kicking and screaming Yeah, <laughs> that's just how I picture it
0: and then question for you has Zayden not shared his need to protect Violet with anyone? Like, Imogen straight up tried to kill Violet. Like, literally. And would have succeeded if she hadn't been wearing her armor. We know that Zayden has this agreement with Violet's mom to protect her.
1: Yeah, but I think that was, like, within his abilities to protect her. Like, she didn't tell him to go, go super go out of him. his way. I and see. it isn't until she bonds with Tarn. That it switches to where they all need to, because then Zayden will die, and they don't want that.
0: I will have, I will note, though, that at this point, he had told Kat about it. He did? Yeah, Kat knew about the agreement with her mom. Oh. Were they talking at this point? Uh, Because they had broken up, like, right before, and Zayden had made this agreement, like, before this year had started.
1: Uh, and so well, Kat makes sense knew about were, the agreement that kind of makes sense like if they were together though Ugh. I mean I can see him telling her because he tends to be more open I think with his significant others than he thinks he is
0: yeah and then my last point here is about Emmett his name I couldn't find anything for Emmett but Emmett means universal and truth which i thought was interesting because we know that he is one of the professors that leaves Basgath and iron flame and believes the
1: truth Mm, okay i was wondering if why um if you're saving that for later
0: yes because when i looked it up i was like oh that's an interesting tidbit i can't talk about this (laughs) right (laughs) now oh yeah so that's everything on our end so like mm-hmm. we said at the beginning of the episode this will be our last regular chapter episode until january 9th we're gonna have two we're we'll still be putting out episodes on the december 26th january 2nd they're just gonna be little fun ones um that we're gonna we're, we're gonna have some fun with especially the one that Smith and i have been discussing i'm really looking forward to um yeah but we hope on this little chapter break that we're taking everyone enjoys their holidays and is ready to dive back into all these uh fun dragony details with us in the new year once we're back with our regular regularly scheduled programming
1: yep it's gonna be great i hope you all have a wonderful holiday hopefully nobody gets snowed in horribly or experiences severe inclement weather um i live in central illinois so it's a crapshoot who knows you're in canada so i'm gonna guess lots of snow regardless in saskatchewan we have like no snow right now and it is mildly concerning yeah we haven't had any snow at all and we usually do so
0: and it was global warming this this will probably mean nothing to you but it was like zero degrees today so it was like really? so warm. It was like so warm. That was warm. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. It means
1: nothing. <laughs> no, I know it. I know what that is.
0: Um, but yeah, like it's that's super warm for this time of year.
1: Yeah, um, it's been unseasonally warm here. Like we had a day that was close to that actually. Um, I think it was so- yesterday or the day before, and then it's been pretty warm like since it's been. I'm. I'm in concerned. The 40s.
0: It's looking with like a... it's going to be a brown Christmas, which I'm not terribly excited about.
1: As long as it's but... not like that one, like a couple of years ago, where at least in Fahrenheit it was like in the 70s, and I was outside with no coat on, just walking my dog, and it was hot.
0: I mean, <laughs> as long as it's not the Christmas two years ago where my car literally stopped working. Oh shit! On on Christmas day. Oh. <laughs> So then, oh,
1: on hopefully, Boxing for next day? Uh, what are we doing? I will have a new car.
0: Oh yeah, that's exciting because that, on that Boxing Day I had to go buy a car. Oh yeah, <laughs> although not a terrible time of year to buy one. No, um, because they're trying to get them. This is completely unrelated to anything that
1: yeah. we're talking
0: about. We hope you all have a wonderful yes. holiday season, and we hope you enjoy our two special Readers Codex episodes. They'll be coming out the next couple of weeks.
1: Yes, so thank you all again so much for listening, and remember, the right way isn't the only way.
0: We would like to thank Kevin MacLeod for the use of his song, The Pyre, for our intro and outro music.